This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, November 10th, 2019. Lock it up. Your mouth, given by Bonnie Sieben, Director of Youth and Family Life. Well, good morning. My name is Bonnie Sieben. I'm the Director of Youth and Family Life here at Connection, and I'm honored to be here sharing the message with you today while pastors Alan and Carrie are out of town for a family wedding. So I want to welcome all of you here and to those of you who are joining us on Facebook Live today. We're so glad to be with you. This month, we are considering a message series called Lock It Up. Um, And last week, pastors Alan and Carrie shared the idea of locking up our mind, dwelling on things that are good, pure, and true, and shutting out things that are negative and damaging to our mindsets, things that keep us away from God's best for our lives. Personally, I was compelled to think more carefully this week when Alan asked the question, how is what you're thinking about lining up with God's standard? Ultimately, our thoughts direct our lives. When we lock them up, um, we set ourselves up to be able to lock up other areas of our lives as well. And so in the coming weeks, we're going to look at locking up our mood and locking up our money. But today, I have the privilege of sharing with you about locking up our mouth. Somewhere God has a sense of humor that I was assigned this topic, because it is not always the easiest for me to lock up my mouth. In fact, I have an incredibly vivid memory of the first time God really convicted me in this area. I was called on the carpet um, for letting my mouth get ahead of my character. I was 17 years old. I was at a very big, multi-church, all-night lock-in event. Hundreds of students were there. Sometime in the very early morning hours, a bunch of us were hanging out in one of the rooms, and a friend's name came up. Um, She wasn't there at the time. And instead of kind of locking up that conversation or turning in a different direction or in any way stepping in for my friend, I joined in on what she might have found to be good humor joking in her presence, but what became very mean-spirited and hurtful in her absence. We weren't very careful or loving in our words, and she heard about it later. Her feelings were hurt, not just by what was said, but by my participation and not Um, stepping in and defending her in that situation. Had it ended there, I might not still remember it. Um, As bad as I felt later. It didn't end there, though. See, I had a youth leader who wanted to make sure no drama was tearing apart the group. So she brought us both into the office and called me out directly for what I had done, pointed out that it was hurtful and not in line with God's word, and asked me to apologize. Yikes. This was a leader I respected, I trusted, and to have her call me out and ask that I make right something that I would have maybe otherwise written off had a really big impact on me. We did reconcile and move on as friends, and over time, um, things were healed, and I would still count her a friend today. But what I walked away from that circumstance with was a much greater understanding of how the impact of our words can influence those around us and can be used for good or bad. Following that interaction, not long after, I memorized a scripture from Luke chapter 6, verse 45, and I'd like to share that with you. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. 
And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Now the trouble is, is that conversation, my heart, what I esteemed value, esteemed most and valued and loved was on the attention and laughs I was getting. It was not on her, it was on my own self-centered need to fit in or be liked. My heart was not treasuring good things, so my mouth was not flowing with good words. The reality is that as much as we want to lock up our mouths, Jesus makes clear here that if we really want to make a difference in how we speak to and about others, the issue is not so much our words, but what motivates us, our priorities and our values. That becomes what pours out of our mouths. Would you join me in prayer? God, thank you for your blessing your mercy and your power. I pray your peace over us this morning. I pray you would work in this message and in this time and that you would let our hearts be open to your truth and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. If we want to lock up our mouths, the first step is to set right our hearts. Let me say that again. If we want to lock up our mouths, the first step is to set right our hearts to prioritize the things that God prioritizes, to esteem and value what God esteems and values, to love as God loves. Colossians 3.1 makes it really simple. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. When we walk with Jesus, we begin to set our hearts on the loving mercy God has for all of the people we interact with not just those we like, and we start to esteem connecting people with Jesus, and as we say around here, the new life he offers, more than our own comfort or popularity. And we consider if our words are moving people closer to God, or if our words are pulling people farther away from the kingdom of God. We dwell in the word of God found in the Bible learning it, memorizing it, storing it up so that in difficult circumstances or troubles, it's God's word that comes to our mind and our mouth first, more and more easily with each passing day. Now, as I considered and prayed on this topic, there were three kind of areas that we're going to call the three C's that came to mind. And, and to me, these three C's are three big areas that cause conflict and strife in our relationships when we don't lock them up and get them in order. The first of those C's is criticism. There's a time and a place for loving correction. Absolutely. As parents, as supervisors on a job site, there are times when critique is absolutely necessary and essential. We need it to bring patient and loving attention to things that are not being done well or to ask for things to be improved. In doing this, though, we should be attempting to build up and come alongside someone else for their benefit and ultimate success. Our heart in that situation but should be motivated by the good of others, not just our own needs. See, when we operate in a spirit of criticism, we're not seeking to build up the good of someone else. It's the kind of spirit that just is looking for issues and errors. 
It is feedback that tears down, speaks condemnation and negativity, and does not bring about positive change. Someone's left feeling too badly to be thinking about what they can do better. When our heart is for the benefit and the good of someone else, then critique can be powerful and helpful. But many times, our heart's motivation is far more selfish in nature. Honestly, we want to make things easier for ourselves. Or sometimes, we just want to let off some steam and vent about whatever has gotten under our skin. One of the dangers of this is that we take all of our impatience, our frustration, our aggravation, and we kind of just toss it all on the other person. And sometimes, I mean, we walk away feeling better. But how do they feel? They walk away feeling defeated, torn down, or like failures. Hebrews 10.24 exhorts us, consider how to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And Ephesians 4.29 warns us not to let unwholesome talk come out of our mouth, but only what is helpful in building up others. If we are going to lock up critical words that damage relationships and tear down spirits, we need to reset our hearts on the goal of building others up and drawing them into love and good deeds. When our heart is on encouragement, not detriment, then we're ready to offer words that will benefit others. The second C is very closely tied to criticism, and you might even think, well, didn't we just cover this? But complaint is a little bit different than criticism. See, criticism is actually looking at a mistake or an error, whereas complaining, well, it can be anything we don't like, rather it's right or wrong. In fact, the dictionary definition of complain is simply to express dissatisfaction or annoyance about something. We all like things the way we like them, right? But sometimes we need to be willing to ask ourselves, is the thing that we're complaining about a genuine issue? Or is it just an irritation because we would have done it differently if in control ourselves? I find that a lot of times my own complaining is rooted in pride. The idea that I could have done something better or more efficiently than someone else. That kind of pride does not build up relationships. It certainly doesn't draw people closer to God. In fact, scripture warns us that pride will bring division and downfall. My husband and I have very different approaches to most things. He was sitting in that chair the first service and he kind of laughed and nodded his head. This is true. We definitely have very different approaches to things like cleaning or organizing around the house. Jeff is a detail-focused person. We joke that if you want something done quickly, I should do it. And if you want something done well, he should do it. If you ask him to do something, like say clean a bathroom, it becomes a lot like the children's book if you give a mouse a cookie. So once he starts cleaning the bathroom, he realizes that the caulk behind the sink is starting to peel and needs to be fixed. And then he goes ahead and he does that. And then he looks and realizes that there's some screws loose on the mirror, so he gets and fixes those. And then he decides he's going to take out the trash. But if he's taking out the bathroom trash, he might as well do the trash for the whole house. And then if he's doing that, the recycling is piled up in the garage, and that needs to be handled. So he would go ahead and handle that as well. 
And so an hour later, I might stop by the powder room, and the soap that the kids had spilled is still sitting in the sink, but he's super happy that the caulk is fresh and the, the mirror is on tight and, and that the recycle's been taken out. Now, he did nothing wrong in that circumstance. In fact, he had accomplished a lot more necessary items and restored more order than I would have done by simply wiping down the sink. And there are so many times that my family does benefit from that skill set. But in this circumstance, I might be tempted to complain. Not because something was done incorrectly and there's a way to build him up for the good of our family, but because it wasn't done my way or as quickly as I would have liked. And sometimes that is irritating. Complaining is often pushing off our ex personal expectations and order onto someone else. It's putting on someone else our own expectations or order. It's voicing frustration that their personality and their gifting is unique to them and not a mirror image of our own. That can cause a lot of conflict in marriage, in family relationships, in the workplace, and certainly even in the church body. Philippians 3, 14 through 16, the Apostle Paul writes, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and crooked 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 and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold on to the word of life all right so i confess i made my children memorize highlight, discuss this verse fairly early on in their lives. And I will say it was a little bit more effective when they were six than now that they're eight and 11. But they were little complainers. They complained about everything. And so I started to ask them, are you shining like a star for Jesus today? And how can you shine like a star for Jesus in this circumstance? And we would talk about that sometimes when we do something frustrating without complaining, that it actually shines God's light much more effectively when, than when we complain our way through what we're doing. But here's the thing, as much as I like to ask those questions of them, it's not only an issue my kids struggle with. Their parents still need that reminder too. I need to ask myself, Bonnie, are you shining like a star for Jesus in this circumstance? Are you biting back complaints and approaching the day with an open mind and just getting done what needs to be done? Or, Bonnie, are you putting your personal preferences and ideas onto something God has not given you authority over? Let me say, ask that one again. Are you putting your personal preference and ideas onto something God has not given you authority over? Isn't that the root of most of our complaining? Wanting to claim authority that we don't have to make decisions we're not in control of? We may feel justified in our complaints, and there are times, honestly, that we might even be correct in our observations, but we will reflect God and draw people closer into relationship with him when we focus our hearts on the bigger picture and choose to be shining stars rather than grumblers and complainers. The final C stands for carelessness. Too often we are caught up in a moment 
and do not measure our words carefully. We let them fly out of our mouth, only realizing later that that is not what we should have said. That was very much true in the story I shared earlier about that teenage experience with kind of just letting fly out of my mouth whatever happened in that moment. I had not learned to measure my words, and I let my mouth get ahead of my mind. Unfortunately, that is not a problem we leave behind in adolescence. In fact, as adults, I think sometimes it can be even more difficult to measure our words and choose care over carelessness. The book of Proverbs has a lot of individual pieces of wisdom. They're great for kind of putting up on your mirror or wherever and just giving yourself a, a reminder of what God says and how we can live in right relationship with him. And so Proverbs 13.3 really stood out to me. It says, he who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. With impulsive words, we can damage, even ruin, relationships, careers, reputations. And once something is damaged, it can take a long time to restore what's been broken. It sounds so simple, almost childlike to say, pause, count to 10, remove yourself from a situation, Consider where your heart is before your mouth speaks. But honestly, that is a really big discipline. And it takes practice through prayer and scripture and awareness to implement effectively. But just think about all of the ruined moments and relationships that can be saved when we truly practice the discipline of a careful mouth. I'd like to share with you an illustration we used at a youth meeting last spring when we were talking about taming the tongue. As we said earlier, Luke said in um, chapter 6, verse 4, I'm sorry, Jesus said in the book of Luke, chapter 6, 45, that good words come from the good stored up in our heart and evil words come from the evil stored up in our heart. The book of James, chapter 3, expands on that when talking about taming the tongue. Verses 9 through 11 say this. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Ultimately, we have to decide if we're going to dwell on the goodness of God if we will fill our hearts up with scripture and right perspectives, building up a wellspring of praise and love in our hearts that will flow out of our mouths. Or if we will dwell in complaints, criticisms, and carelessness that will build up ugliness in our hearts that will begin to flow out of our mouths. When we have both loving, kind, this, both loving, kind words pouring from our mouths, but also ugly, hurtful, damaging words, we're letting them both pour. And what quickly we realize is that when you try to pour from both streams, one becomes dominant, one prevails. 
And when we pour salt and fresh water out of the same spring, that salt water prevails. And we pour water and soda, that soda prevails. And when we pour good, clean, kind words, and we pour ugly, damaging, hurtful words, what people remember is going to be the hurtful ones. It's going to stand out. It's going to prevail. Scripture makes that clear. The good news is that if this is what your cup has looked like, and mine has looked like this at times, Jesus does not leave us here, right? We are forgiven, we are set free, and we are invited to make a change in our hearts. We are invited to make a change in our mouths through the transformation of our hearts, through relationship with Jesus, and through setting our hearts in a new direction. We've said that the only way to change our mouth is to adjust our heart, to feed it with good things, the truth of God's word, to fill it up by dwelling on the good rather than the negative, choosing to ignore small faults and focusing on encouraging others for the good of all, choosing carefully the music, the podcasts, the messages we receive, because all of those things fill up our hearts set our values, and eventually flow from our lips. For many of us, we've been trying to pour from two cups. We dwell on the times we've said something good or kind, and we miss the way our criticism, complaints, carelessness have overtaken us and become the central message that other people are hearing. Might that be you today? Have you been pouring from two streams? Have you considered the state of your heart, what you value, what you prioritize, what you esteem and hold highly as most important? Are you filling up your heart daily with God's word, his perspective, so that it is at wellspring ready to be on your tongue? Our mouths have the power to cause so much pain and hurt, but we also have the power to change direction in our words by resetting the direction of our heart. Take time this week to fill up with scripture. I would really challenge you, take time to fill up with scripture, fill up with God's word, listen to music that worships God, learn and memorize scripture, fill that up, refocus yourself so that then your mouth is ready to flow with the goodness of God and the love of others. We pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you that you redeem our mistakes, our failures, and, and if we have been pouring from two streams this morning, Lord God, you don't leave us here in this place, but you invite us to refresh our heart, to change our perspective, to fill up on scripture, on praise, on love, that that might become the central message of our mouth, our words and our heart, Lord. We pray your peace and your blessing over each person here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.